On today's Locked on Jayhawks, we do a deep dive on Nicholas Timberlake and why he would be a big get for KU headed into 2023-24. You are Locked on Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Derek Johnson. You can hear me as well, Monday through Friday. Rock Chalk Sports Talk from 3 to 6 p.m. on KLWN in Lawrence. Thanks for making Locked on Jayhawks your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get any of your podcasts. And you can also find us on YouTube and subscribe to the show there. On today's edition of Locked on Jayhawks, we're going to be doing a deep dive on Nicholas Timberlake. I want to do these with some of the players that have visited or will visit KU. We don't need to do this with every you know transfer person who KU reaches out to, but at least the players who go on visits, which Nicholas Timberlake did, I think it's worthwhile and, and worth the time. And Timberlake... Uh, represents the first visit, I believe, of the transfer portal class. I mean, obviously, KU had like an in-home visit with like Jamil Reynolds. They've had Zoom meetings with different players. But the first visit to KU was Nicholas Timberlake. So uh, let's get into the deep dive. We'll get to his strengths and weaknesses. We'll get to um, how he would fit in Kansas, what it would mean for the roster and everything. And then, uh, you know, we'll uh, get to maybe next week some other deep dives. And also we will uh, get to some more. Uh, top 10 rankings of different positions later next week as the transfer portal continues to to churn and, and be a never-ending cycle that uh, comes through for us. So first things first, before we get into the strengths and weaknesses, kind of the scouting report, where are things at right now with KU and Nicholas Timberlake? Well, first of all, he had his visit. His visit was last weekend. He uh, came out on Friday. I believe he left on Easter Sunday. He came out for the Spring Showcase Friday night. I'm sure he did all sorts of great things on on Saturday and shown around places. And I don't know which players were the ones that were kind of showing him around and sure let him have a good time and everything. Now, a lot of times, as far as the, the transfer portal game goes, it's very dependent. Like, you almost have to get the kid to commit to the school at the end of the visit or on the visit. That didn't happen with Nicholas Timberlake. But <clears throat> this seems to very much be a kid who is definitely very cerebral with this decision, which, you know, more power to you that you're going to take everything into account. He went on a North Carolina visit, and they tried to maybe get him to commit and, you know, wasn't successful. He ended up leaving, coming to KU, doesn't end up committing. Now he's going to Connecticut this weekend to have a visit with the reigning national champions. I would imagine he's not going to commit on sight and scene there either. Because again, I think what he's going to do is probably after he has all these visits, take everything into account, sit down, have some conversations with, you know, the close people to him that that matter about it, and figure out everything that is the plus and minus for every school and make a calculated decision that way. Never blame a kid for doing something like that. So I, I don't necessarily view this as one of those, like a lot of times if you do have a kid who visits and they don't commit and then they go visit somewhere else, that can be kind of a bad sign that like, oh, he's not going to come here. I think in the case of Nicholas Timberlake, that's just who he is. He's just someone who wants to make a measured decision as a veteran player, a sixth-year player in college basketball, an experienced player uh, that is just more mature into making a type of decision that way that is probably the smarter way to do things. So uh, 
still absolutely a viable option for KU. Seems like KU would love to have him, and it makes a lot of sense when you look at the things that he does well and when you look at some of the deficiencies that next year's Kansas team could have on the roster that we look at and say, well, you don't have this, you don't have that, you need more shooting, you need more scoring, and you know, you always want experienced players out of the transfer portal. He fits a lot of that bill, and there's a reason they set up a visit on him. I think they're still, you know, in on him and, and trying to uh, keep pressure applied to make sure that they're in it to the very last part of this and, and can possibly try to get a commitment out of it. Um, he's, I don't think probably like, I, I think priority number one for Kansas is Hunter Dickinson. And, you know, I don't, I don't know where he would rank in terms of for Timberlake, the priority list goes here, but we did yesterday, the top 10 list of combo guards uh, that maybe could fit in for KU and he was tier two. We only had two players in tier one, Max Acemas and Tyler Perry. Hasn't really heard much in terms of KU's interest in either of those guys or if there's reciprocated interest or, uh, you know, where those relationships might be going. In theory, Timberlake right now is the number one, like, combo guard that KU has prioritized on their list. Keep that in mind as we head into things here. All right, let's get into the uh, strengths and weaknesses side of things for his game and what he could bring to KU in just a second. But first, this episode of Locked on Jayhawks is brought to you by Built Bar. If you're like me and you want to make healthier snack choices, but you don't want to compromise on taste, I've got just the thing for you, Built Bars and Built Puffs. Built Bars are healthy, they taste amazing, and you're not going to think they're good for you because of how amazing they taste, but they are. Covered in 100% real dark chocolate, and they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, cookies and cream. I don't know how they do it, but they taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros, only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. That's going to get you through the day, right? You don't want a snack that not only is unhealthy for you, but then all this, uh, you, you eat it, and an hour later, you're hungry again. Built Bar, going to fill you up, going to be good for you, and it tastes good. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. You can still order them at Built.com, and you can still get all your specialty flavors at Built.com, but you can go into your nearest Walmart or Sam's Club today and get some of the different flavors that they have. You can go to Walmart, head to the pharmacy section, get yourself a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate bar, or coconut puffs. Head to Sam's Club, get a 13-bar box with hit flavors like brownie, bra brownie batter puff. Say that five times fast. Puffs. You can take me later with Built Bar. Strengths and weaknesses to the game of one Nicholas Timberlake. Uh, let's start with the strengths. The shooting, obviously, need in my opinion right now is shooting and guys who can score the ball. Last season, KU was about an average three-point shooting team to begin with, and that ended up being a flaw that hurt them. And if you took Grady Dick off, then the rest of the team was you know below average at three-point shooting at best, uh, collectively. So... That automatically was something they're looking to improve from last year. But then you lose Grady Dick, who was your best three-point shooter. You lose Jalen Wilson, who was your highest volume three-point shooter and you know was about average in terms of his percentage. And now it's like, well, how do we even just get back to where we were last year and then try to improve on it because it wasn't good enough? And then beyond that, another thing is, do they have enough guys who can create shots for themselves and hit shots for you in tough situations? Last year was Jalen Wilson. Grady was more of someone who... You know, it was created for him, created off the ball, working off a screen or somebody uh, driving into the paint and him getting a spot up opportunity in the in the corner or him cutting off the ball. 
Uh, we saw Kevin McCuller create a little bit toward the end of the season. He had that nice spin move into the lane and, and some nice drives really over the last like three or four weeks of the season. But for the most part, KU didn't have enough creation. Like it was, it was every so often KJ would, you know, drive in on a center every so often. And Dewan would have sweeping like right-handed hook, but it wasn't consistent all the way through the roster. You need more of those things, shot creation and shooting the basketball. And when you look at the roster KU has for next year, it's obviously very incomplete, but this should be a team that has pretty good amount of athleticism. Obviously they're looking to add more on the wing, but um, KJ is a good athlete. Ernest and Zuby, those are pretty good athletes for you. They can throw down a lot of lobs and get up there and, you know, catch rebounds uh, high and, and get blocks and stuff at the center position. So you got pretty good athletes there. The freshmen you bring in like Marcus Adams, good athlete, Chris Johnson, good athlete, Jamari McDowell, good athlete, uh, El Marco Jackson, great athlete. So you should have a, a decent amount of, of good athletes throughout the team. Um, and then you have defensive pillars like Dewan Harris was the big 12 defensive player of the year. Ernest Uday and Zuby Edifer in year two should be even better defensively and at rim protection and rebounding. KJ can be a good defender for you. Like you have a good base to the defense. And if you have some of those athletic freshmen, you would think they have at least potential to be good defenders. But what you're missing is that shooting. And that is what Nicholas Timberlake brings to the table. So in his fourth year of school, he was a fifth-year player last year. He'll be a sixth-year player this next year. In his fourth year of school, uh, Timberlake shot 40.6% from three on 5.6 attempts per game. So good volume there, very good percentage. Last season, his fifth year of school, he shot 41.6% from three on 6.7 attempts per game. Again, very high volume, very good efficiency. He's also shot over 80% at the foul line the last three seasons to show you more about his shooting ability. and. One of the more impressive things, he shot well against better opponents. You obviously have the question, how is he going to jump up in competition from the Colonial and where Towson plays to the Big 12? Versus Ken Palm, top 100 teams, 29 of 63 on three-point shots last season. That is 46%. Versus Ken Palm, top 50 teams, limited sample, just 8 of 18, but that's still 44%. And for what it's worth, he has two career games against Virginia, who we always think of as this like defensive juggernaut in a power five level. He went five of nine from three in the two career games he played against Virginia. But if you total it all up over the last three seasons for some more sample size versus Ken Palm top 100 competition, you get 17 games over three seasons where he went 50 of 113. That is 44 percent on 113 three point tries. A little better sample size, that's a great percentage to have. Now, you're going to be playing top 100 every night in the Big 12, but at least he showed that he did it even in the limited sample size better than the alternative, right? His shooting level or, or his level of shooting, I think, comes in a myriad of different forms too, which is really important and really nice. So with like Grady Dick, he was an unbelievable three-point shooter, but because he was a freshman, he was still learning how to move without the ball. He was still learning how to operate off of screens. He was still learning some of the intricacies of the game that, like, for instance, if you compare to Ochai Baji the season before, Ochai was, like, the best in the country at doing those things, moving without the ball. But Ochai was a senior. Ochai was an older player. It takes time to learn that stuff. Grady Dick did about as good as it as you could ask for a young freshman, but he was a younger player. Nicholas Timberlake is an older player. He'll be in year six. He knows how to move without the ball. He knows some of the intricacies. Last season, um, he was 94th percentile was Nicholas Timberlake in spot-up shooting. That would be a lot of what KU was asking him to do. He would be creating less for himself than he was at Towson. He also ranked 55th percentile, which is above average 
off of screens. Out of comparison, Grady Dick was 34th percentile. So you could get an upgrade there. You uh, Grady Dick was in the 74th, I think, percentile in, in shooting spot up versus Timberlake being 94th percentile. Again, Dick playing better competition than Timberlake. But also because Dick was you know, such a um, important player for KU, he created so much gravity to himself that he was getting face guarded. And maybe Timberlake would too, but realistically, when Timberlake's on the floor, he might not be like one of the top options the same way that Grady Dick was, or maybe he would get open a little bit more. But you watch some of the Nicholas Timberlake highlights too, and he showed the ability to hit deep threes. That was something that we never really saw from Grady. Every so often, like there were a few in there where he hit from maybe 25 feet or something, but sometimes it was almost like shoot more from deeper, shoot more 25 footers, shoot more 30 footers, because it'll just make the, the defense have to draw out further on you, open up spacing even more, or it might be your only way to actually get an open look. With Timberlake, you look at some of the highlights, he's shooting those a little bit more consistently. He's hitting deep threes uh, to further stretch the spacing of the court, and he can even hit some tough ones off the bounce, though maybe not as consistently. You could make a real argument that while Grady Dick, probably a better player, and not probably a better player than Nicholas Timberlake overall, and did it against better competition, you could make an argument that just from a shooting standpoint, just that one attribute of the game, that Nicholas Timberlake, as a sixth-year player next season, will be better than a freshman version of Grady Dick. Now, would sophomore Grady Dick or would Grady Dick, by the time he's the same age as Nicholas Timberlake, be you know better? Probably, but... That's not what we're comparing here. It's last year's Grady Dick as freshman to a six-year Nicholas Timberlake. And Grady did so many things, other things well, transition play, um, sometimes off-ball defense, getting some steals, rebounding, cutting to the basket, that he was playing 30, 35 minutes per game. With Timberlake, he might not be playing that many minutes per game that you don't get the benefits of the shooting as often over the course of the game. But just from a shooting aspect, like this is one of the better shooters in the entire country with his ability to you know get him off in a lot of different ways i think some other strengths he's a six foot four combo guard um sometimes you get in college those combo guards who are five eleven six foot one range not totally ideal to play next to dewan harris and Marco jackson timberlake at six four gives you at least a little bit of a size there and all things considered he's been a decent defensive rebounder i think because of that size at six four again it's against caa competition so it's a little easier to get those rebounds and there's not nearly as many tall people in the caa that there are in like the big 12 but uh just to show you he had about an 11 a little over an 11 percent defensive rebounding rate last season takes out like tempo and stuff out of comparison grady dick was at 13 percent last season kj adams was at nine percent ernest uday was at 13 percent so pretty good defensive rebounder and i think the other thing you put in the strength column is experience he was in his sixth year of college or it will be this next season excuse me and it's good to have older players on your team you're gonna have a lot of freshmen coming in good to have that experience to help them learn good to have experience just in general in college basketball Older teams tend to win games in March. As far as the weaknesses, the defense. Defense has been a problem. So uh, this, uh, not great. Synergy, looking at the numbers. Nicholas Timberlake ranked in the fourth percentile. You heard that right, fourth percentile. That means 96% of college basketball was better in both overall and man-to-man defense. That is a problem. And that is especially a problem for a head coach in Bill Self, which if you make a mistake defensively, if you make a mistake doing one thing or another, you're going to hit the bench. And that can limit your amount of playing time, which if it limits your amount of playing time, it's limiting the amount of impact you can have as a three-point shooter. Now, we did see, we, we have seen KU players 
um, be insulated around good defenders before and then still be able to play three-point shooters that didn't really do much else. Think back to Brandon Green. You think back to like Isaiah Moss just a few years ago, and you were okay doing that, but that certainly goes in the weakness column there. And that was against CAA competition and not the Big 12. My biggest worry here is that he is Joe Cremo. I don't know if this name rings a bell for people. Joe Cremo uh, was at Albany. I think they made the NCAA tournament 2018. And his last year at Albany, he averaged 17.8 points per game around in line. I think actually slightly better than what Timberlake averaged at Towson. 4.1 rebounds per game, 3.8 assists per game. Both those numbers slightly better than Timberlake. 45.8% on three-point shots, 5.2 per game. That's better than the 41% from Timberlake, though Timberlake more three attempts per game. So all those numbers are slightly better than what Timberlake did at Towson, which Towson ranks about 20, 25 spots better on Ken Palm than that Albany team. So slightly better team. Both conferences ranked around the same on Ken Palm. But Cremo ended up i think he visited ku um and that was a talk of like oh is he going to come to ku he ended up transferring to villanova he picked villanova over kansas he then went on to make just five starts that season he played just about 16 and a half minutes per game he only scored four points per game on 34 percent from three and honestly that's still a useful player right he's still playing 16 minutes a game he's filling a specific role of being a three-point shooter and you look at this ku team you would love to, I mean, after last year where the bench struggled every game, you would love to have somebody who can just come off the bench and play 15, 16 minutes per game and can hit threes consistently for you. That would still be a huge boon to this Kansas team from where they were last year. It's a very useful player. I'm not arguing against that. But the worry would be, you know, if you if you give the scholarship there, are you preventing a scholarship from somebody else who maybe could play a little bit more or be a further bigger impact player? My verdict, though, when tallying all this stuff up is that I think Timberlake would be a pretty ideal, perfect fit for Kansas. I'm not as concerned about the defensive limitations there because to me, they just need the offense. As I mentioned, Dewan Harris, Big 12 player of the year in the backcourt. El Marco Jackson, I would think, should be a good defender with his you know, size, length, and athleticism at a guard position. Um, you look at some of the freshmen, they should be able to play hard and with athleticism to be solid enough defenders. KJ Adams, good defender. I expect Ernest and Zuby to take a step up in terms of uh, their defensive ability, and we know they can be good rim protectors and defensive rebounders. Uh, you could bring on another transfer who, I don't know, plays good defense to where they have the defensive insulation. You know, this is like the uh, maybe not to this level of, you know, what you expect them to be or anything, but the Udoka Azubuki Devon Dotson team in 2020, that team had like the best defense in the country. They were able to add to Isaiah Moss, who was not a very good defender, but because they had the defensive insulation around him, they were like, hey, we just need a three point shooter. Just give us Isaiah Moss, you know, and, and that ended up being OK. And so I think you have the defensive insulation around you that I expect this to be a top 10, top 15 defense, especially with Bill Self. Just get the guy that can hit threes for you because you don't have enough of that on the roster. Get the guy that can make shots for you. And Nicholas Timberlake is about as good at that stuff as anybody that's available in the transfer portal. Let's get on to how he'd fit at Kansas in just a second with Locked on Jayhawks. So how he would fit at Kansas. As I mentioned, he would be your go-to three-point shooter on the roster right now. He would be your go-to guy that late in the game, if you need a three, you'd probably take him in. But would he be a starter? Would he be a bench piece? Um, I think what ideally would happen you assume dewan would start at the one obviously what would happen is then you would have an open competition in the offseason between el marco jackson and nicholas timberlake 
Would it shock you if Timberlake started the first few games of the year and then El Marco overtook him? Would it shock you if El Marco started the year as the starter? No, neither would would shock you. So I think what you're looking at there is Timberlake could be someone who plays really anywhere between, you know, if the defense really isn't hitting and he's missing shots that night, maybe it's a guy that night who only plays 10 minutes per game. But also probably in that 10 to 20 minute range, probably looking at a 15 minute per game guy off the bench that can fill in for you at the two position, right? You'd move El Marco over to the one when Dewan's off the floor for the handful of minutes. That'll be, and Timberlake comes in at the two. Maybe you could even play him next to El Marco and Dewan for a handful of minutes in lineups with three kind of smaller guards next to each other. Um, and he's playing as a bench player. I think the floor you'd be looking at, yeah, 10, 15 minutes a game. Somebody can come off the bench and give you more bench scoring than you were getting last year. I think the ceiling would be maybe he does end up starting, right? What if El Marco Jackson isn't quite as ready as, as I think and we think is going to happen, but it gives you a veteran option that if he isn't en- end up being ready, like we've seen with a lot of other freshmen, that you have a real option who's played real college basketball minutes. Um, that can come in for him and, and be a 25-minute-per-game guy. Or maybe he even does come off the bench, but he still does play 20 to 25 minutes a game, and he closes games where you need the offense in there just because he fits a specific niche that you do not really have up and down the roster. So I think he would be a great fit for KU uh, because of the way that he helps in a lot of your weaknesses, and I think it would be a big-time get if KU is able to land him in the end. Right, that'll do it for this episode of Locked on Jayhawks. We'll uh, be back on Monday. Um, Maybe we'll do a um, deep dive on like Primo Spears or top 10 wing transfer options. I don't know. Maybe some breaking news will happen over the weekend and we can talk about that instead. So uh, we'll see what happens next week, but stick around for it with Locked on Jayhawks. You can find us wherever you get any of your podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at D Johnson Radio, and you can also see us on YouTube. Have a good rest of your day.